Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, December 20th, 2016. Rapidly racing to Christmas here. Just looking at the docket. All right. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. And we take the time to, you know, open up God's Word and do the comparative work to test and see if what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex is those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose small group curricula we need to be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, that's oftentimes how that works. To test and see if what they're saying actually squares with what God's Word says. Are they teaching sound biblical doctrine, true Christian theology, uh, what God's Word really reveals regarding what God wills for us to believe and to do? Yeah, that's right. Belief and practice go together. And over and again, we see that what's being pawned often nowadays is far from biblical, far from actually what God's Word says, and that there are many people who are out there teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to be teaching. <clears throat> Case in point, well, another episode of Fighting the Faith, where it's just going to seem kind of crazy. So uh, today, um, I, there's one thing that we're going to be getting to that I think is probably the most important uh, segment of the program today. And so uh, we won't begin there. Let's talk about where we're going to start. We're going to begin, well, as we're winding down uh, the year 2016, we're, we're going to end the year with a, a, a prophecy open mic segment. Uh, uh, the, so we're heading over to Glory of Zion as we listen to uh, the apostle Chuck Pierce explain to us how uh, praise to open your pathway of change. Yeah, so if you want to experience a pathway of change in your life, the way you go about doing that is by praising. Yeah, so pay, praise will open up the pathway of change. I, apparently that's how that works. So we'll start there, and uh, from there... Uh, we will state we will go prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate and check in with this week's uh, 
uh, astrological, uh, you know, I don't know, the horoscope from uh, <laughs> Ryan Lestrange. Um, I find these to be oh so fascinating. Uh, so the Monday word for this week is eagles kill the snakes. Yeah, I, I don't. I have no idea what that means. So eagles kill the snakes. So that we'll check in with uh, Ryan Lestrange. And then we're going to get to what we didn't get to last time. The lion leftovers. Uh, yeah, yesterday we weren't able to get to this. Lion leftovers. Uh, apparently Mark Batterson's run out of ideas. So, you know, on the 10th anniversary of the uh, In a Pit on a Snowy Day with a Lion, he's decided to uh, come up with a new book that's just a rehash. It's The Leftovers, and it's called Chase the Lion. So are you a lion chaser? Well, if you're not, then, you know, you're probably upsetting God. God wants you to chase lions, man. So uh, we'll check in with um, uh, Mark Batterson. Then, um, if we have time, uh, we'll uh, give another example of just, like, really awful, off-topic narcissism of the story of Christmas uh, with Bill Cornelius uh, down in Corpus Christi, Texas, um, it, it, in his message titled, When God Messes Up Your Plans. Yeah, you know, see, the, the story of the virgin birth of Jesus is really about how God can mess up the plans that you have for your life. Yeah, I mean, we all know from yesterday that Mary was going to the university. Yeah, and, you know, she was just your average, everyday, young college student, teenager at that. And, and, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, God's destiny thing, he showed up for her and, you know, so, Bill Cornelius, if we have time, and if we don't, uh, then we will go to the final segment for the first hour today, and that is T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes recently had this this multi-hour-long Christmas extravaganza from the uh, Potter's House out there in Texas. And um, so we're going to listen to part of the preaching that went with the Broadway musical that they did Um and the name of it is The Birthing Place. And so we're going to hear T.D. Jakes, um, Narcissus, the story of Christmas, typical Narcissus here. Uh, narcissist, by the way, Narcissus is the squishing together of two words, uh, narcissism and eisegesis. Eisegesis is reading something into the text that isn't there. Narcissism is self-love. And so apparently the story of the birth of the Messiah is really all about the birthing places in your life. But then, mm-hmm, but then, just when you think it can't get any worse, uh, do you all remember uh, Hans Feeney's uh, Lutheran satire on the Trinity, St. Patrick? Uh, you know, uh, that's modalism, Patrick. Yeah, but uh, T.D. Jakes, I mean, in the middle of all this, literally sticks in some modalism. How would you like a little modalism for Christmas? So that, uh, that will be T.D. Jakes, uh, uh, the last part of the first hour. And then we're going to head to C3 Church San Diego for our final sermon review of the year as we listen to Drew Davies um, and probably what I would consider one of the most obnoxious you know, Christmas things that is posing as a sermon that I've heard in a while. And the name of the message is titled, Picking Up Your Presence. Yeah, my mom always would tell me to do that, you know, pick up my presents after we were done with the wrapping paper and stuff like that. So 
Yeah, so that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Uh, just a heads up, it's looking definitely like uh, Wednesday with my schedule as literally as crazy as it is. Uh, will be the final episode for the year of uh, Fighting for the Faith. So just a uh, heads up on that, and we'll be doing a Roseboro's Ramblings on Exodus. So with that, let's get into the program proper. And since it's Prophecy Open Mic, and that technically is a new Apostolic Reformation update, that requires us to do this. Jeffrey, what do you want to do tonight? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain. Brain, 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 brain. Time to head over to Glory of Zion in our final prophecy open mic for the year. And, you know, you just have to ask the question, what has happened to these people that they believe that this is the voice of the triune God? That's, you know, we'll kind of pitch that out there for you to consider here we go, Prophecy Open Mic. Steve, let's just hear that sound one more time you just released. You know, I, I just want to make sure everyone understands this, that when I release sounds here in my home, my wife is not thrilled with that. The ground is crying out, please, I don't understand this. This is weird. Please stop. That's what the ground is crying out. Crying out. I am watering it from the heavens. I say the heavens are shifting because the ground has cried out. And it is Judah that... The, the heavens are shifting. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure how cataclysmic it is when there's a heavenly shift. Yeah, I, I you see the uh, the people in the NAR in the charismatic movement are always talking about the shiftings. Yeah, the shiftings and the shakings. Yeah, these are well, very important things. Apparently, I have yet to see a shifting or a shaking uh, occur as prophesied. 
You know, and, and I don't think they're talking about earthquakes either. You know, okay, so because the ground has cried out, there will be a shifting. There will be a shaking in the heavens. <sighs> man, yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. Power to the people. Float into the season ahead, and Judah will go first, for a new war season is at hand. And I say, let the heavens shift, let the earth cry out, and watch as you see your path change and open up. Right, yeah. We're going to see my path open up. It's the shifting in the heaven thing happens, yeah. Right, next prophet. It's prophecy open mic, so they pass to this mic. <laughs> okay, so we got some prophetic trumpetage going on here. Maybe somebody in the audience is sucking on a lemon or something because it doesn't sound like this guy knows what he's doing. Now just give a shout up into heaven. Yeah. Just just give a shout, man, yeah. For this will be a week of changing paths and rearranging paths. And I say Yeah, so you, in order to reorder your days, I know it's Tuesday, so you can't reorder Tuesday or Monday or Sunday because we've already lived those out. So for like Wednesday, reorder Wednesday and like put it in the Friday spot. Saturday, throw that one to uh, uh, <laughs> to Thursday. Take Thursday and I'm confused. How is this supposed to help me again? Rearranging. <laughs> sounds of the earth the rivers are shifting the land is shifting seeds that have been sown will now come to surface and be deposited i say what you've cast on the water will now be returned i say sing hallelujah i am filling the broken cracks cracks in the land and cracks in you i say yeah, no, I don't want a refill of this. Whatever this is, I'm not going back for seconds. No way. That which was broken in another season. For the Lord says that you are the clay and I am the potter. And I break that which... Yeah, that, that, the Bible actually says that. I don't need you to say it. Upon my wheel that I might remake you, refashion you, and remold you to be the glorious vessel that I've called you to be. For I say, I must change the vessels in the earth. For though you have been one way, I must remake you now. I say, I must remake my church. I must remake the gifts in my church so that I can pour in again and pour out in a new way. Receive my hand in the coming weeks. 
receive his hand. Okay. And the Lord would say to you, because you have set yourself against the potter's will, because you have set yourself against the refiner fire, and I saw the drought in you and around you, I sent the storm to break up the fallow land and moisten it so I could remold it. Embrace the molding and you will receive the new identity and the new image I have. So embrace the molding and you'll receive a new identity. Okay. Store for you. Come into a place of submission to my will and you will see the vessel of honor I called you to be. Yeah, I, I have no idea what any of that meant. Um, most of it wasn't even lucid. So, I mean, what do we do with this? I mean, I, you know, do I embrace this as some kind of prophetic word from the Lord so that I can say, oh, you know, God's give me some new fresh revelation and the, the freshy things. Whoa, man, I, they're so mind boggling, profound and oh, this is going to change my life. Yeah. So I, so I go and apply this, you know. And the immediate question comes up, how do you apply such a thing? I, you know, I see no way in which that task can actually be accomplished. So we're kind of left scratching our heads wondering what on earth was that? Now, if you think that's confusing, I mean, it's time for our weekly horoscope with Ryan Lestrange, which requires us to do this. Get up right now. Robert Tilton and Hubabaconda. So uh, we're heading over to the YouTube channel of Ryan Lestrange, where he gives weekly horoscopes. I think that's the right way to describe these things. And uh, so every week, if you if you need some fresh revelation from the Lord, you got to put that in air quotes. You Oh, yeah, th- this is the kind of stuff, I mean, you don't want to start your week out without this kind of revelation, because this is going to, you know... Just make it so that your life, people are going to sit there and go, man, how is it that, you know, like no matter what comes our way, you seem to always be prepared. And then you'll say, well, you know, because I, I hear the fresh words of the Lord, man, from Ryan Lestrange. And he's the one who came up, oh, this week, man, eagles kill the snakes. Oh, so amazing. <laughs> Rose, bro, what has gotten into you? Well, eagles kill snakes, man. Here we go. 
Hi, it's Ryan Lestrange with the Monday Word, and my Monday Word is Eagles Kill the Snakes. You know, there's so much prophetic... Is this a football score thingy? <laughs> All right, so the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they're not headed to the Super Bowl. So that can't be, can't be football. I think Dallas is going to be heading. Yeah, yeah, you see what I'm saying here? Emphasis right now on the revelation of the eagles. I believe the Lord is inviting his people in this time to soar up higher. Yeah. And in that place of soaring higher, there is a position of victory that defeats the serpents, that takes out the powers of hell that are coming against people, that are coming against regions, that are coming against families, that are coming against you. And I love... Oh, man. <laughs> There's things coming against me, man. Regions and stuff. The Bible says here in Luke 10, 19, it said, Behold, I have given you, that's speaking to us, the ecclesia, the power and the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And not Yeah, okay, we got to do a little fact checking here. Luke 10, 19 is what he said here. Now, uh, by the way, uh, one of the most primary basic rules for rightly understanding um, Scripture is that you need to pay attention to things in context. So Luke ten nineteen out of context. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Who is Jesus talking about? Ryan Lestrange just pulled a fast one there. He said, hey! This is Jesus talking to the church. Well, no, because when you put it into context, yeah, that's not what it says. So uh, Luke 10, 17 will provide our context. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, there's your immediate context. So is this, is Luke 10, 19, a general promise to the church that, you know, as they're walking around there, here comes a serpent, there comes a scorpion, and, oh, you know, well, never mind. (laughs) I'm a Christian, dude, so I'm, like, totally in the clear, you know. Serpents, scorpions, you know, like, no, they can't even hurt me, man. Uh, It's like Christian superpowers, you know. (laughs) Is that what this is saying? No, actually, it's not actually saying that. So uh, Luke ten seventeen, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So Jesus said to them, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the, all the power of the enemy. The direct referent here is the 72. Nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, here's the deal. I mean, we as Christians, we definitely do have the right and authority to invoke the name of Jesus against the demonic. This is clearly given to the church. But what Ryan Lestrange is doing here is widening out the referent in a very specific instance where Jesus had sent out the 72, had given them particular unique authority to do particular things, that are not given to the church in general, namely the treading on of serpents and scorpions. So we've got a problem here, and that is is that uh, he's wrongly 
He's not even exegeting this text, but we continue. Will by any means harm you. Notice the word of God didn't say, I've given you power over some of the powers of the enemy. The word of God didn't say, look, I've given you authority over here, but not over there. No, the word of God said, when you get born again, you are seated in Jesus in heavenly places. Eagles were born to soar. Eagles were not born to wallow around in the mud. Eagles. Right. You're an eagle, man. You're no chicken. Chickens can get bitten by snakes, and since you're an eagle, you can, like, soar way above the chickens and the eagles. We're not born for the low points. Eagles were not born to stay stuck. Eagles were born to ride the wind. And I believe the Lord is saying to his people in this... Yes. <laughs> There's no eagles mentioned in Luke ten nineteen. Okay, so we got a problem here. He's going on about, you know, you are an eagle. <laughs> That's not what the text is saying. And oh, yeah, you know, eagles, they soar and stuff. So you need to be soaring, not down in the mud. But Luke ten nineteen doesn't say anything about any eagles. Or it is a time for you and I to ride the winds, to ride the prophetic winds. You know, when you're up... <laughs> Yeah, ride the prophetic winds. These are the winds that blow like, well, a tempest or blow like a tornado. They're very damaging. These are not helpful winds. These are the winds of destruction. You've got a different level of insight. Yeah. You've got a different level of perspective. And I believe the Lord is speaking about this in this time. Now right, yeah. The Lord's talking about you need to be an eagle and you need to ride prophetic winds. This is... Apparently, the new thing the Lord's speaking, at least for this Monday. Isaiah says this, those that wait upon the Lord, speaking to you and I, shall renew their strength. I want to prophesy and say there's a renewing of strength for you today. The enemy may have wearied you. The enemy may have tried to exhaust you. The enemy yeah, your false prophecies are wearying me, and they're quite exhausting. They tried to deplete you, but I believe the eagles are renewed. It's time for supernatural renewal for you in the authority of Jesus' name. It said they shall mount up with wings as of eagles. Eagles are not like other birds. They have wings that soar. They ride in the high places. And the You know, vultures soar, too. Just saying, you know, have you ever seen a turkey vulture? Man, that is an ugly bird. Yeah, when I lived in Southern California, we had turkey vultures. No eagles. Well, there were golden eagles up in the hills, but we never saw those. But like in San Juan Capistrano and stuff, oh, man, there were turkey vultures. And, man, they would sit up there soaring and kind of circling and waiting, you know. Oh, man. And then anything dead on the ground, they were on it like, you know, you know flies on poop, you know. That it's in the high places there's renewal. It's in the high places there's purpose. It's in the high places there's perspective. And it said they shall mount over the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. When you're promoted, you got to run. In yeah. advancement, there's running. God's going to give you supernatural strength, supernatural anointing. God's going to give you supernatural power to get the job done. They shall walk. Yeah, he, he's engaging in supernatural prophetic shouting right now. And not faint. The devil wants to get you to faint. But I prophesy fresh anointing. I prophesy fresh strength over you. I call you an eagle in the... Ah, fresh strength. Fresh. I prophesy that you're an eagle. I prophesy... Oh, you know, man. This is... Again, I, I find it very sad that there are any human beings on the planet 
who call themselves Christians, who actually believe that this is what God is trying to communicate to them. Yeah, um, just open up the Word of God. That's all we need. All Scripture is God-breathed. This is what Scripture says of itself. Profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, so that the man of God, that includes women too, may be equipped for every, not some, every good work. Yeah, just look it up in Second Timothy chapter 3. Yeah, this this fresh stuff is really stinky. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you could subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we have uh, well, Lion Leftovers. Yeah, Lion Leftovers with. Mark Batterson and T.D. Jakes and a little modalism, Patrick, for uh, Christmas. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Deep in the Australian wilderness and also in the typhoid-infested waters of the Bongo River, Captain Worthington and his ragtag group of men have found themselves to be hopelessly lost. Surrounded by the vicious savages of the Hamuku tribe, and now the TP has run out. It's been 27 days without food, and Private Jenkins doesn't care. Oh, do shut up, Nigel! We don't need you narrating every little thing that goes on. It's bad enough already. We don't need you reminding everyone about it. Sorry. Now, gentlemen, the hour is dire. There's not much hope of us getting out of this predicament with our lives or sanity. What are we going to do, Captain? Well, we can do one of two things. We can either die in a blaze of glory, charging the Hibuku tribe in battle, or sit on the riverbank saying to ourselves, Oh, Mommy, Mommy, please make the bad people go away. I vote for the second one. Shut the noise, you pansy! Now, Captain, I have an idea that might just save our hides from the impending doom on the other side of the tree line. Well, out with it, man. Out with it. I happen to have... In my possession, a copy of Zondervan's latest book, The Grimoire of Modern Prayer. Well, that's excellent news. We have TP again. <laughs> Woo-hoo. No, no, no. We're not using it for that. Then what exactly are we using it for? Uh, it says this. With this volume, you can command and control the very will of God with relative ease. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Are you sure we can do that? Well, the, the book says we can. Is there any proof? Well, Stephen Furtick did write the introduction where he explains how it's changed his life. Well, um, how does it work? Simple. We can choose from any one of these prayers. (laughs) Captain Worthington, 
A book of Approaching! Blasted! Perkins, get your act together and start reading from that book. It's our only chance. I don't know which one to read first. Uh, which ones do you have to choose from? Well, there's the Ascenting uh, Prayer, the Circle Maker Prayer, the Prayer of Jabez. The, the Circle one. Let's go with that one. Okay, the book says to draw a circle around what you're praying for. Well, that's us. Quick, men, draw a circle in the dirt around us. Step two, begin to pray for whatever it is that you're in need of. I really want a Ferrari. A Ferrari. You nitwit, we need protection. Honestly. Oh, Lord! We are not going to leave this circle until you rescue us from our enemies! Amen. Thank God, Nigel! Are you sure? Pretty sure. Unless he can breathe without his head being attached to his neck. Oh, dear. Well, there goes our narrator. What are we going to do, sir? Well, the circle prayer didn't work, so let's try something else. Packins! Working on it, sir. I, I think I got it. <laughs> I, I don't believe it. The book of dry. They now have catapults. Jumping Jehoshaphat. This next prayer had better work, Perkins. This one will work. It's the, uh, it's the Sun Sand Snow Prayer. What good will that do? It's in the middle of the night. It doesn't matter what you think. This is sure to work. We just have to have audacious enough faith to ask God for the impossible. You heard the man. Get praying. I still want a Ferrari, a pet raptor, no debts. Ooh, and better sex. You're just not getting this, are you? Captain, they now have cannons! Well, this is impossible! Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that chasing lions is not what God is calling you to do. The same. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you're going to see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Lowest rank in our crew is uh, Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. 
Master Gunner at $49.95 a month and Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us, by the way. Of course, if you would like to uh, support us by sending in a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable too, Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, moving along, I think this uh, is the right kind of uh, music for this Mark Batterson update. Here we go. Oh, it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flare. What effect a little smoke is with a dash of hocus pocus and the scent of burning sulfur in the air. I'm a fraud, a hoax, a charlatan, a joke, but they love me everywhere. For it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flare. It doesn't really matter what I say or what I do, as long as I do it with a flare. So what I find utterly fascinating, apparently when it comes to narcissists and making up doctrines, Mark Batterson's well has at least temporarily run dry. Uh, So much so that he's decided to... Return to a theme from 10 years ago, the, uh, the theme of lion chasing, you know, and conquering lions and stuff. Because, well, you know, David's mighty men, man, you know, Benaiah, he was in a pit on a snowy day with a lion. And we all know that the reason why God the Holy Spirit caused these words to be written was so that you too, like Benaiah, would be a, a lion chaser. No, actually, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. But uh, let's uh, let's listen in as uh, Mark Batterson decides to well reprise this false teaching and and twisting of Scripture from ten years ago with, with a new cover, a new slightly different emphasis. Uh, it's from his sermon series, "Chase the Lion." Here we go. And if you want to understand David's mighty men in second samuel 23 right yeah I, I need to understand them then you need to understand what drives a man like lieutenant colonel ted anderson back into the pentagon to run toward danger to run to the roar now just a little bit of a note here i mean this sermon was preached on 9 11 this year so he gave the story of one of the members of of his church, uh, National Community Church out there in Washington, D.C., who was a first responder at, at 9-11 and worked at the Pentagon, told a story. I mean, it's it's a touching story. but um, So apparently the reason why this fellow was the way he was in his first responder mode, well, because, you know, he's a lion chaser. These weren't the kind of men who ran away from what they were afraid of. They were boot camp trained. They were battle tested. And their stories are some of the most epic stories, some of the most heroic stories in all of Scripture. Josheb faced 800 to 1 odds, but he would not back down. Eliezer fight. Yeah, he, he's, in fact, he's the originator of, you know, of that song. And I won't back down. 
uh, fought until his uh, hand froze to the sword. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Right. Yeah, man. His hand froze to the sword. Is your hand freezing on your sword? Because if it's not, you're probably disobeying God. Shammah. Read the army retreated, took his stand in a field of lentils. I don't even like lentils. Don't like it at all. And then there was Benaiah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, Benaiah. I wrote about him 10 years ago. But I decided to write about him again. Benaiah, yeah. Are, are you like Benaiah? And that's where we pick up the story in 2 Samuel 23, 20. Uh, at all of our campuses, would you stand as we read God's word? 2 Samuel 20. I wonder how many verses they're going to be standing for. <laughs> Not many. And normally when you stand in a liturgical church, it's you rise for the reading of the gospel text. Okay. 23, verse 20. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased the lion down into a pit and killed it. Once, armed with only a club, he killed a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, chase the line? Why would you take, have your takeaway be, turn to your neighbor and say, Chase the lion. So the application here. Are you chasing the lions in your life? Like Benaiah? Well, if not, well, there's something wrong with you, dude. And you can be seated. One of the great challenges that we face in reading a story like this is that we know how it ends. And because we know the ending, we assume that it was inevitable. Psychologists call it hindsight bias. And it's one of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to really fully appreciate Scripture. We're Monday morning quarterbacks. The fiction even happens. We know that there's a resurrection. And because we're reading these stories thousands of years after the fact, and because we know how every story ends... We lose the element of surprise. We lose the element of danger. We lose the element of risk. And that's certainly true of this story in 2 Samuel 23, 20. Um, we lose the element of risk. And if we aren't careful, we assume it. Because right. Yeah. No. You have to read it fresh, man. Pit, snow, lion. Ah! Danger! Don't assume he's going to get out of there, man. 
This is absurd. One. Is this not one of the craziest acts of courage you've ever heard of? I don't know. The crazier one that I seem to remember is Jesus laying down his life, being nailed to a cross willingly as our sacrifice and dying. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, he goes all the way into death for our sake. That's some crazy talk right there. Oh, and yeah, he walked out of the grave victorious, dude. Yeah, he, he took on the lion of death and just slaughtered it, dude. Here's what I know for sure. When the image of a man-eating beast travels through the optic nerve into the visual cortex, the brain sends one message to the body, run. Run away as fast and as far as you possibly can. But lion chasers aren't wired that way. They don't run away. Right, yeah. Are you a lion chaser, man? They, they're not w- wired to run away, you know. What they're afraid of, they run to the roar. Let me zoom out and look at this from a wide-angled lens. We don't know where Benaiah was going. We don't know exactly what Benaiah was doing when he crossed his path with the lion. All we know is his gut reaction and it's gutsy. Listen, lions weigh 500 pounds, run 35 miles an hour, have these things called claws. If you find yourself in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, you have a problem. Yeah, that, that would probably be a pretty bad day for people like myself. Yeah. Probably the last problem you'll ever have. (laughs) This is how the game ends for you. But you've got to admit, I killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. It looks really good on your resume. If you're applying for a bodyguard position with the king of Israel. And so Benaiah lands the job and eventually 40 years later becomes commander in chief of Israel's army under King Solomon, second most powerful person in the entire kingdom of Israel. But it all traces back to this fight or flight moment. Are you going to take flight or are you going to fight for your dream? Are you going to run? Right. Are you going to fight for your dream, man? You got to run to the roar if you're going to fight for your dream, man. It's like you just change the subject. How do we go from there to there? From what you're afraid of. Or are you going to run to the roar? Are you going to let fear dictate your decisions? Or are you going to live by faith and chase the lion? So living by faith means being willing to chase lions. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm just not seeing it exegetically here as a proper application of this text. Not much has changed in 3,000 years. And so as we begin this series, let me ask a question. What's the scariest dream you could go after? What? <laughs> what? I mean... Okay, so when I when I was growing up in the church, you know, old school here, you know, the preacher wanted to, you know, like, you know, shake you out of mediocrity and uh, conformity and lukewarmness. That was the term. He, he would take out the law of God, you know, like the Ten Commandments and just crank them, man. 
And at, at the end of that little exercise, you're saying, I'm so sinful. <laughs> you know, and, you know, you, you want to repent. You need God's mercy and forgiveness. So here we got Mark Batterson basically saying, so, what's the big scariest dream in your life, man? Mm-hmm. Is it scary enough? Are you running to the roar, dude? You know, and and uh, am I supposed to feel like I'm sinning if I haven't been? I, I don't understand what the purpose of this is. What's the craziest dream you could go after? What's the riskiest dream? What's the biggest dream that you could go after? A few months ago, we kicked off a series called Mountains Move with a question. And the question was this, what's the bravest prayer you can pray? Right, yeah. Biggest dream, bravest prayer, yeah. You don't want to, like, do unbrave prayers and small dreams. Apparently that's bad. And I said that for me, it would be praying that the Lord would heal my asthma. Reason being, I've had asthma my entire life. It's my earliest memory. I can't remember anything else. And I've prayed hundreds of times that God would heal my asthma. But I felt like I needed to pray one more time. And guess what? God answered. And I'm now 70 days inhaler free. But by the way, when I shared that, that was one of the harder sermons I've preached because um, to put that out there to the world. Um, and uh, can I just share this? When I went to sleep that, that night, I dreamt that I had an asthma attack. But it was a dream. Ha! I've never had that dream before because it was my reality. That's right, because he, man, he ran to the roar. This guy practices what he preaches, and the roar was the lion of asthma. Uh huh. Thinking to myself, like, that was crazy. And listen, I don't deny it. Probably some subconscious fear there, but I'm not running away from it. I'm chasing the lion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. Because he ran to the roar, man, and believed God's big dream of being asthma free, you know, so God, you know, came through for him. See, it'll do the same for you. So, what's the lion in your life, man? Are you running to the roar of the lion in your life? Because, you know, if you're not, oh, man, God's just not going to be thrilled with you. You got to prove to him that you're a lion chaser. Because if you don't prove to God that you're a lion chaser, then, you know, what's God going to do with you? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that if you're not a lion chaser, you're going to end up in hell. Yeah, it just makes perfect sense. I mean, only the lion chasers actually make it to heaven. And, you know, those who are not chasing their lions, God is just not pleased with them. Moving along. Don't want no loving, don't want no kissing, don't want no gal to call me honey. Don't want my name in the Hall of Fame, just want a big fat pile of money. Give me that almighty dollar for that lettuce, hear me holler. Give me buckets full of ducats, let me walk around and waller in Mazuma. Elder Nero, wanna be a millionaire? Give me money, 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 money. I want that green ammunition, that's the stuff for which I'm wishing. Fill my closets with deposits, I'm a demon in addition. 
Give me shekels, give me pesos, let me see their smiling faces. Money, 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 money. Wanna get me a suit that's made out of oot and whistle for wearing it green. I got that monetary itis like speeches like King Midas. Want that golden touch is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially substantially. Any sum I can and beagle. Want to live in regal splendor with that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money. Yeah, that's Dr. Teeth and money, 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 money. That can only mean one thing. It's time for a money-grubbing televangelist update. Over there at uh, TBN, they, uh, they've they aired the uh, recent uh, Christmas extravaganza put on by the Potter's House uh, under the auspices of T.D. Jakes, the bishop. You know, bishop in a modalistic, oneness, Pentecostal organization. And uh, T.D. Jakes, in typical narcissistic fashion, oh, he is the king of the Narsajites. He's going to take the story of the birth of our Savior and narcissistically make it about, well, the birthing place in your life. Yeah, that's right. Apparently that's what Christmas is all about. But in the midst of all of that, we're going to hear a little modalism, Patrick. Yeah, that's right. He's going to say something that's just going to make your head spin. So without any further ado, let's get to this. Here's T.D. Jakes and his inspiring message about the birthing place. Here we go. We bless your name. We honor you. We lift you up. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Your hard place is the birthing place. My what is my what? Yeah, yeah. I'm a dude, and uh, although I should be chasing lions and stuff, um, birthing places. Yeah, the, uh, my wife been there like three times, but you know me. <laughs> I, I was just there to support. You know, I yeah, I was kind of in the way. Your troubled place is the birthing place. I don't think this is what the Christmas story is about, dude. Come on, Potter's house, put your hands together and give the Lord the highest praise. So the highest praise is a standing O for God, yeah. For the entire creative arts department and all of the hard work, all of their guests, our special guest, our director, hallelujah, come on and give God glory. So all of the important people who help make this uh, spectacular Christmas extravaganza possible are getting their little kudos. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether I'm getting old and emotional. <laughs> but when I look back and see where the Lord... brought me from <laughs> anybody with me <laughs> when, when I see how he birthed things in your life out of tough places and uh, yeah that's not what the story of the Virgin Mary Joseph and 
the baby Jesus is about how God births things in the hard places in your life. Yeah, that's no, this is actually the if read the nativity narratives in the gospel, they're about the birth of our savior who would save us from our sins. Yeah. Son of David, son of God in human flesh. You familiar with any of these themes regarding the incarnation? Hard places and moments of conflict. I don't know about you, but it makes me just want to just thank him with all of my might and with all of my heart. Are there any grateful people in the house right now? Is somebody grateful for where the Lord brought you from? Glory to God. Is somebody grateful for where the Lord brought you from? One more time, help me celebrate these artists in all of their respective places. Excellent job. Excellent. 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 I mean this with all sincerity and, and, and humility. And I know that's a bit of an oxymoron that I would say in all humility, I am proud of you. <laughs> I don't know how you can put them two things together, but you figured out however you want to. When I remember of where the Lord brought me from <laughs> and to see this celebration of, of, of the word of God mixed with all the arts has always been a vision of mine to see come to pass and I'm so grateful to God to be here for such a time as this. Everybody grateful to God. Just thank God right now. What, what I realize is that birthing places are not pretty places. Uh, what? Birth itself is not pretty. Yeah, I'm, I'll agree with that, sure. But that's not what the story of Christmas is about. It's tough. It's hard. It's labor. It hurts. People cry in birthing places. Uh, are we talking about Bethlehem here? What are we talking about? Almost die. Yes. <laughs> In birthing places. Takes all of your strength. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to talk about the, the birthplace of Jesus Christ, you know, and him being born. Can we talk about that, please? The birthing place. Can't worry about what you got on when you're in a birthing place. Yeah, yeah, man. Don't worry about your clothes. Yeah. You can't worry about what people are saying when you're in a birthing place. You I don't even think you have time to hear what people are saying in the birthing place. Generally, they're out in the lobby, you know. Oh, hear what I'm saying to you. When you're in a birthing place. I mean, you got to use all of your muscles and all of your strength and blood vessels start breaking. People start pushing with all of them. I see, sometimes we act like God failed us, but the truth is we just didn't push hard enough. What? Push them out. Shove them out. Way out. Ooh, push them out. What are you talking about? Oh, man, yeah, the, the Lord told you let me down. Are you sure that was the Lord letting you down, dude? Well, my, the thing I was birthing never got birthed, you know. 
Well, did you push hard enough? I, I, I don't know. I never thought about pushing hard. I didn't know, man. I, I, so that's what the Christmas story is about. Pushing hard. Wow. In order to get out of you what God put in you, you can't just casually pity pat at it. You got to buckle down and say, devil, you a liar. <laughs> yeah, apparently that was T.D. Jakes. Assuming the straddle position for birth. Wow, my brain is just boom. Wow, yeah, it's going to take years to get that out of my mind. Wow. Woo. Let me stop. I'm not old. Is there anybody in here that ever had to really push in your life? Yeah, I don't think this is what the Christmas story is about. When we say Jesus is the reason for the season, this ain't what we're talking about. I want you to know there's so many messages up here today. Yeah, which one's the right one, the true one? Because I'm not hearing that one. That, That a young girl... A young virgin would give God her body and that God would give that girl a savior to that body. It's about giving. Mary has a distinction. She is the only woman in the history of the world. And now I hope you're sitting down because here comes the modalism who got to carry her baby twice. Why? Huh? Okay. What are you talking about there, TD? So Mary got to carry Jesus twice. Now, let me explain just a second here. Um, what is modalism? Modalism is a heresy that teaches that there is one God who has manifested himself himself in three um, distinct manifestations, okay? See, the biblical doctrine of the Trinity teaches that there is one God who exists in three eternal persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are co-equal, co-eternal, yet they are different and distinct persons in the one God. There are not three gods, but one. How is this possible? Yeah, I don't know how that all works, but see, the idea then is this, is that when Jesus is uh, praying to the Father, uh, you know, Lord, if this, if it be your will, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, right? And uh, But not my will, but your will be done. That this was not some theatrical performance on the part of Jesus, that Jesus, God the Son, was actually praying to the Father, God the Father. Uh-huh. And and so the idea here is is that the father is not the son, the son is not the father, the father is not the holy spirit and the son is not the holy spirit. They are three persons within the one true God. So, well, modalism on the other hand teaches that well, see God is one person and he manifests himself by putting on different wardrobes, different you know, different hats, if you would. So at one point, Jesus is wearing the sun hat, and he's the son of God. And at another point, he, he puts on the father costume hat and all, and he presents, I'm the father, da-da! And then he appears as the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus is on the cross saying, 
Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He really isn't praying to the Father because the Father is him. Uh, it's just a manifestation, different hat that he wears. So Jesus is engaging in theatrics. So now kind of put the pieces together here. T.D. Jakes just said that Mary carried Jesus twice. One, when she was still a virgin, and Jesus is developing in her womb. But what is the second time that Jesus is inside of the Virgin Mary? We celebrate the first one today. But the Bible says in the book of Acts that when they came to the upper room, that Mary came up there too. <laughs> and the uh, book of Acts, upper room. This is Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were in one place with one accord, that suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like a mighty rushing wind. Cloven tongues appeared like as a fire, and set upon each of them. Now they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is a different person of the triune God. And the Holy Spirit is not the same person as Jesus is. But for everybody else, it was their first time. But for Mary, it was a familiar thing. For Mary, the Lord restored back to her. She birthed him in the manger. She gave him up on the cross. She got him back on the day of Pentecost. And to end it. Yeah, that's modalism, Patrick. Yeah, that's that to be modalism right there. That's a heresy. That's a different God. That makes T.D. Jakes a heretic. Not a Christian brother. Yeah, yeah. Remember Elephant Room 2? Yeah, that little shindig where, you know, although I bought a ticket to actually attend, you know, I was shown the door and told us I came back that they were going to arrest me. Yeah, um, that was where, you know, James McDonald tried to, you know, smuggle uh, T.D. Jakes into the mainstream of Christianity. And Mark Driscoll just threw some softball questions at him. and uh, And he did his best to... Well, you know, I've kind of been rethinking things here. No, he clearly hasn't rethought nothing. He's still teaching modalism. To anybody who ever thought that you lost your baby, I came to give you a word this morning. Everything that the devil stole from you. God said before it's over, it's coming back again. Pressed down, shaking the devil, and running all out. Slap somebody's elbow, get it back. Uh, slap somebody and Sam. I'm going to get him back. Yeah, so there you go. Um, that ain't. Biblical, uh, from the narcissistic eisegesis to the modalism, Patrick, that'd be a hot mess of heresy. 
And the sad part is, and I do mean this, the sad part is the folks there at the Potter's house, oh, they were worked up into a frenzy. Oh, they were hooping and hollering and shouting and giving God the praise and all this kind of stuff. All the while they were being taught false doctrine and straight-up heresy, being taught about a God that doesn't even exist, the God of modalism, which is a idol, not the, the God of the Bible. So what do you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pyre Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Pyre Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're heading down to C3 Church, San Diego for a miserable, awful, terrible Christmas sermon. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today.
number two of Fighting for the Faith. I don't know what this is we're going to be listening to. A Christmas sermon? Yeah, that's being overly generous. That's the best way I can put it. But we got to do this right. Here we go. Bad, the ugly. We are we are an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. I've had a hard time saying the word sermon with this thing. So we're heading over to C3 Church San Diego. We're gonna listen to Pastor Drew Davies and his message titled Pick Up Your Presence. I that's all I can tell you. It's, it's gonna be painful. I wish there was an easy way to just rip this off, but we're going to have to just slog through it, so we'll note what he does along the way and just ask ourselves, is this really what the Bible reveals about the birth of our Savior? So let me back off on the music, and without any further ado, here's Drew Davies, and pick up your presence. Here we go. The most excited, most passionate, most crazy service, I believe, here at C3 Church. So good to be preaching. It's such an honor to preach to you tonight. I'm going to have so much fun up here. Let's take a moment while we're staying to honor your campus pastors, Pastor John and Becky. Yeah, we, we don't stand to honor God's word. we got to stand to honor our campus pastors. Yeah. And also honor our senior pastors, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. If you're watching online, we love you. Uh, you can grab your seat. You can grab your seat. It's good to be preaching. Is that Ken? Hey, Ken. Ken from the gym. I invited you, I invited you here a while ago. It's good to finally see you, man. That's awesome. Come on. I love Ken. Ken's always over there working his guns. I just walk around and talk to people. Occasionally just do one of these. I don't even know what that's called. Whatever. <laughs> I want to show you a little picture. This is some, just want to show you what's going on down at our South Campus construction really quickly. Just really quickly. Just want to show you something. This is our South Campus building. Now, now why, why I want to show you this is because some of you don't know this, but your faithful giving to vision builders helped us buy this thing. And you can see this right here. That between this pole here and this pole here is actually the altar. So you can actually see here that people are going to get saved on this altar. Lives are going to be transformed on this altar. People are going to get free on this altar because of your faithful giving. Amen. Come on, we're just getting started in San Diego. We're just getting started. 11 years in, but we're just getting started. We got buildings to build. We got lives to transform in Jesus' mighty name. Someone say amen. Amen. I'm excited, man. I love it. I love our church. I love it. I also love Christmas. Anybody love Christmas? If you don't love Christmas, probably need a counselor. Probably need to see someone about that. Something went wrong a long time ago that you need to get dealt with. It's a ceiling on your life. I love Christmas. I love Christmas movies. Someone say amen. Home Alone too. Yeah, why don't you just... You know, tell us all the things you really love, you know. 
Drew Davies, yeah, he's a Sagittarius, and uh, he, he loves romantic walks on the beach. He's really into Christmas, and children are just, well, at the core of his being, you know. Home Alone 1, forget about Home Alone 3 and 4. Last night, a milestone in my parenting occurred when my three-year-old daughter asked me without prompting to watch Home Alone 2. Come on, somebody. Major milestone in a children's life, I'm sure. I remember the day she walked. I remember the day she first talked. I remember the first day she asked me to watch Home Alone 2. It was an amazing moment. Band, you guys are awesome. You guys can sit down, though, and not stand there awkwardly and sway. That's what you, they train you to do. It's just a little movement, unlike me in that video. <laughs> Mannequin challenge. <laughs> Mannequin challenge. <clears throat> I love it. I'm excited about Christmas. Be inviting people to, to church this Christmas Eve. Just invite everybody. People come to church on Christmas. They won't come to church any other weekend of the year. Just invite them. Bring them along. I love I love Christmas uh, carols. Anyone love Christmas carols? Justin Bieber. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. What is this? It's our 10-year anniversary my, this week. My, my wife and I, we just, we just had our 10-year anniversary. So I thought it'd be fitting to sing some Mariah Carey, maybe. And I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. So apparently this is the awful karaoke icebreaker portion of the sermon. I don't want it. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to Mariah Carey. She takes a long time to say something. Could you be imagine, imagine being married to Mariah Carey. Oh, my goodness. Imagine if Mariah Carey was a worship leader. If we were doing Oceans that night, we would never get out of here. It would take like all night just to sing Oceans. Mariah, if you're watching, we love you. We want to invite you to church. I love, I love Christmas carols. I love Santa Claus. I love Santa Claus. Some Christians have a problem with Santa Claus. Like it's like a spiritual thing for them. Like, oh, I hate Santa. What's that about? How could you hate like a jolly old man giving free stuff to people? That's a, that's a good thing. Again, you need counseling if you don't like Santa. I love Santa. You need to go see Dr. Phil if you don't like Santa. In fact, um, actually... For those of you who don't know me for have not known me for very long, I, I never used to be this slim, and um, back I used to be a little bit larger, uh, and so uh, a few years ago, uh, it's about this time. Yeah, yeah. The reason I go to church is so I can learn about the pastor. Yeah, that's that's some really important doctrine right there. Time every year though, I'd get the awkward conversation about being Santa at whatever event was coming up. Hey, Drew, so Christmas is coming up. Oh, you know that. Yeah, yeah, you know that. Well, we're thinking about doing a, um, a Santa. Yeah, I'll be Santa. I get it. I'll be Santa. Okay. I got massive black Italian eyebrows. I'll be Santa. Kids aren't going to believe us for a second. Oh, my gosh. Christmas time.
Anybody love getting Christmas gifts, anybody? Christmas gifts. My greatest, greatest Christmas gift of all time was my Super Nintendo in 1995. Donkey Kong Country. Hours of my life. I hope he gets to the, uh, well, the Bible and exegetes the passage correctly. I'm beginning to lose confidence that either of those are going to happen. It was a good game. It's not that I want to preach a message to you called pick up your presence. Pick up your presence. You see, God has gifts for you and I to access. He has presence. And these are my props. He has presence for you and I to access underneath the tree. But too many Christians go through their life not accessing the things that God has for them. They go year by year with the same presence under the same tree, not opening the promises, the gifts, the good things that God has for them. So tonight, just in the next few minutes we have, I want to talk to you about a few gifts that God wants you and I to open this Christmas season. Let me pray and then we'll get this party started. God, thank you for everybody here tonight. Central 5 p.m. service, God. Your words, not my words, are going to be spoken tonight, God. I just declare a blessing, life set free. Uh, people in here tonight would meet you, possibly for the first time, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, <clears throat> amen, amen. So I'm going to share with you just a few gifts that I think God wants to unpackage in you and I tonight. This is not just for you, this is for myself and for you. And even for those of you who are watching online right now, you may be sitting in, in your living room uh, on the other side of the world. This message is just for you as well, just so you know that. But uh, let's start the party at Psalm 47. <clears throat> Now, when I read the Bible tonight, I think it's, it's appropriate for us to get a little bit excited because we're Christians and it's Christmas time. Come on now. And we're at C3 Church San Diego, the most passionate church in the world. So let's do this. Psalm 47. Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout joyfully to God with a joyous shout. <laughs> What does this have to do with the thesis that you just put forward about opening our presence and things like that? I'm not saying it. That's a good scripture right there. That's a good scripture. That's a tattoo scripture. Don't move quickly on the choice to get a tattoo scripture. You may regret it, but that's a good one. It's short and sweet. That'll fit on a tricep just like that. Probably a hundred bucks Pacific Beach. Get it done. Shout joyfully to God with a joyous shout. The first gift, the first present God wants you and I to pick up this Christmas is the gift of joy. The gift of joy. We sing the song, Joy to the World. But is there joy in our world? Is there joy in my world? Is there joy in your world? Some Christians have to remind their face that they're saved. And maybe the reason why your face doesn't look saved is because you've mistaken joy and happiness. People are on a pursuit for happiness. What will make me happy? And I love how Pastor Matt spoke about that tonight without even knowing I was going to talk about this. I think this is a big deal. Happiness is so different to joy. People are so hungry for happiness. They're chasing after happiness. They're looking for God to fulfill their happiness. Happiness is different to joy. Joy is not so circumstantial. Happiness comes from circumstances. So when things are good, I'm good. When things are bad, I'm bad. 
Welcome aboard the roller coaster of life if you live that way. You'll be up, you'll be down, you'll be all around, you'll be emotional. Joy is different. You see, joy says, I am joyful despite my circumstances. I can be joyful when things are going good. I can be joyful when things are going bad. I can be joyful if I'm sitting in the doctor's office and he's not giving me a good report. I can be joyful if I'm losing my home. I can be joyful because there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness comes from external circumstances, but joy comes from internal. Joy comes from your soul. Happiness comes from your stuff. Yeah, I agree that there is a difference between joy and happiness. But these distinctions you're drawing, you're not actually drawing them out from what the scriptures say. And that's the problem here. Circumstances, but joy comes from your soul. We sang that song tonight, Behold, which I think just quietly is going to be the new oceans. Just throwing it out there. Behold, then sings my soul. Then sings my soul. No one's up there singing, then, then sings my stuff. No one's up there singing. In the, no one, no one would, have, would, have, would be singing, then sings my circumstances. Then sings my soul, how great your love is. When we prioritize our stuff and our circumstance over our soul, our soul will forget how to sing. And we lose our joy. You know, six years ago, Emma and I were just preparing to move here from Australia. Uh, we used to live on the beach in Australia. And uh, we, like, we'd come out of our condo, we'd go to our mailbox, and we'd walk across the street. There's the sand. We lived on the beach. It was great. And then we moved here to do the internship program. And we went from living by ourselves in the, on the beautiful beaches in Australia to living in a home with 10 other people in it. Because we were doing the internship, right? And, you know, I was interning. You don't earn money when you're an intern. You pay money to be an intern. So we, we had to choose to live with people. But here's the thing. I wasn't like not joyful because of that. My joy was not dependent on me being able to walk outside and step into the, the ocean. My joy was is not dependent on my, my circumstances or my household or where I lived. My joyful was dependent on my God. And when we get our priorities right, right, when we say, I'm going to be joyful in the valley, I'm going to be joyful in the hilltop, I'm going to be joyful in everything in between, I'm going to be joyful. Whether Yeah, notice this is all law. And this is even an exegesis of Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Let me continue with the psalm. For Yahweh, the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all of the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. He sing praises to the God, to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The prince of the peoples gather as the people of God, of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. So you'll notice the psalm, which I just read it in its entirety. Oh, it's wonderful in pointing us to God, pointing us to our Savior, pointing us to our King. What Drew Davies is talking about has nothing whatsoever to do with the actual verse 
singular, that he's read so far. Whether I'm driving a Bentley or whether I'm riding on the bus, I'm going to be joyful. Someone say amen. That's a good thing for you. The Bible says in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Maybe you've lost your strength because you've lost your joy, but you can get your joy back. Then you can get your strength back. Maybe the reason why you feel tired all the time is because you've lost your joy. And if you're a teenager here with no res- like real big responsibilities or children, you don't even know what tired is. just want to throw it out there. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Just wait. I'm tired. No, you're not. <laughs> you slept for 11 hours last night. I slept for 11 hours in November. <laughs> Give me a break. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Psalm 51. Restore to me the joy. This is good news for somebody. This is good news for somebody because our God is the great restorer. He can restore your joy. I'm not talking about restoring your happiness. I'm talking about he can restore your joy. God wants somebody in here tonight to get their joy back this Christmas season. He wants somebody to. There's somebody sitting here. And you may be sitting here thinking, you don't understand. You don't understand, Pastor Drew. My, my, my boyfriend just broke up with me. That's just a circumstance. Get your joy back. You don't, you don't understand, Pastor Drew. I lost my job. I'm going to lose my home. It's all falling apart for me. They're all just circumstances. You can get your joy. Now notice, uh, this, he didn't even really give us the verse he was reading. And he didn't even read it out properly from Psalm 51. Psalm 51 was written by King David after he was confronted by Nathan the prophet for his adultery and murder uh, in the whole Bathsheba affair. And here's what it says, Psalm 51.1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in the truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So when you read the text, it doesn't sound like it has anything to do with what Drew Davies is talking about. Then again, he's not really interested in preaching God's word correctly. He's just whipping them up into a frenzy, getting them to hoop and holler and talk about themselves. Joy back. You can get your joy back this Christmas season. Come on, don't let your circumstances rob you of your joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So be strong and pick up that present this Christmas season. Pick up that present of joy in Jesus' name. All right, the second one. Second present I think God wants you and I to pick up is the gift, the present of hope. Hope. See, I totally understand when a non-Christian does not have hope. I get that. What I, I don't understand is when a Christian who has the same Bible I have, 
doesn't have hope. I have, I have a hard time understanding that. I just don't get it. The Bible is full of hope. It's full of the promises of God. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can even imagine what God has prepared for those who love Him. That should give you some hope up in here, somebody. Or Jeremiah 29 11. I preached about some of this last week. You're going to get some of you are going to get it again. But uh, Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Yeah, Jeremiah 29 11 is not a general promise for Christians in that sense. In its original context, this is a promise given and a you know, promise of hope and of love and comfort given from God to the uh, remnant who were in exile in Babylon after God judgment, judged the nation of Israel and Judea for their idolatry and refusal to repent. Mm-hmm. He has plans for you. If you're wondering if he doesn't have plans, let's clarify. He has plans. I know the plans I have for you, not the world has for you. God has for you, says the Lord. Plans to, here's the P word, get ready for the people to get offended. Prosper. God wants to prosper you. God wants to prosper. Yeah. Yeah. This is just scratching, itching ears on steroids. He's a pretty good, he got, yeah, got to admit, he's got a pretty good sense of timing, at least comedically. Um, exegetically, uh, the guy is just a complete narcissist and, well, tool of the devil, but we continue. He wants to prosper you! Uh, isn't that good news for somebody? Someone with a poverty mentality is going crazy up in their seat. The church, prosperity. God is about prospering you. The Bible is about prospering you. Don't shoot the messenger to prosper you and not to harm you. God doesn't want to harm you. Let's clarify that as well. He has plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plans for you is to give you a hope and a future. That scripture is powerful. Your Bible, my Bible, it's the same Bible. Your iPhone, you use it for all kinds of things. But you can access the same Bible on your iPhone. But listen, this thing is full of hope. It's full of hope. For somebody in here, the greatest gift you could unwrap at Christmas time might just be your Bible. Just dusting that thing off and just flicking it open and seeing what it says. Because when you read your Bible, you'll discover things like, if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm the head. I'm not the tail. There's hope in this thing. Yeah, it's all about you, man. Oh, man, you are the bee's knees. Wait till God gets done with you. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to be good looking. You're going to be skinny. You're going to have six-pack abs and guns. And Oh, wow. Yeah, this just God just wants to bless your socks off, man. Forget the fact that Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Hmm. This thing is full of hope. Amen. You and I. We should be the greatest hope dealers in our city. Yeah, man. They're not dope dealers. They're hope dealers. In our streets, we should be hope dealers. You look like you need a little hope, huh? No. The first one's going to be free. I don't know. That's my my drug dealer voice. (laughs) I was never a drug dealer. Let me tell you this. You can't give hope if you don't first have hope. And Christians have sat back for so long and let the world dictate what hope is. Let the world write 
What, what, what is hope? Let the world determine that. So the world will say, the world will say to people, put your hope in this pipe. Put your hope in this addiction. Put your hope in this website. Put your hope in this thing you can't get rid of. Or maybe it's a little less traumatic. Put your hope in your career. Put your hope in your status. Put your hope in your bank account, your stock market portfolio. Put your hope in your bank account. As long as that thing's good, you're going to have hope. Put your hope in this needle as you shoot it up your arm. Why does the world get to have the street corners? Why does the world get to have the street corners? Why does the world get to write the definition of hope? It doesn't. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over people putting their hope in stuff that can fail them. Because how many people know that if people can put their hope into something that can fail them, how can they not put their hope into a God who cannot fail them? Our God cannot fail you. All you got to do is put your hope in Him. Someone needs to get their hope back this Christmas. Someone needs to pick up this present. Yeah, yelling won't make any of this actually sound doctrine. No, that, that won't help this. Isn't a hope. You may have lost your hope in 2016. You may have lost your hope on a street corner. You may have woken up one day in someone's bed and lost all your hope. Guess what? It's a new day. You don't have to wait till the 1st of January to get your hope back. You can get your hope back tonight in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. When God is your source of hope, he cannot fail you. Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, the source of hope. There's such a massive difference between God being a source of hope and being the source of hope. You see, when he's a... What is this? You're like hopscotching around the Bible, looking for verses, ripping them out of context, stringing them together, ignoring what they actually say in context, and then weaving his own theology. This is a mess. A source of hope. He's just one of the many things you draw upon when you need something. So Sunday, it's, it's God Day. And Tuesday is Tony Robbins Day. Tony's all right. I wouldn't put my hope in him. Most of his principles are from the Bible without God in it. Thursday is uh, Crystals Day, if you're into that. I don't know how it even works, Crystals. People are into them. Friday is, maybe Friday, have Fridays off. And then Saturday is whatever you're into on Saturday. That's the world we live in. God is a hope. He's a hope to people. He's a hope. He's not the hope. There's such a difference between you putting all of your, all of your money on, for lack of a better term, on God rather than hedging your bets, all these different directions, and then you're double-minded and, you, and you're not sure what you believe in. Of course you don't know what you believe in because God's a source of hope. He's not the source of hope. Of course you're jacked up. He's not the source of hope to you. Anyway, back to the scripture. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust. Oh, the T word. It's almost as bad as the P word. We hate it. Because you trust in him. It's because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust comes before the joy, the peace, and the hope. We want it the other way around. We want it the other way. We want the joy, the peace, and the hope, and then we'll trust God. Then he'll be our the source. But in the meantime, 
hedge our bets. No, trust comes before it. When we trust in God, you'll find those things follow you around. Joy, peace, hope, the rest of it. Maybe losing your, your hope is just a byproduct for you. Losing your trust or losing your faith, which leads me to my third one, my third point. The third present God wants someone in here to pick up tonight is the present of faith. He wants you to pick up the present of faith. You see, when it comes to faith, the gift of faith, some Christians, they dabble with this, with this gift. They dabble with it. They pick it up and they shake it, squeeze it. They think about it, faith. They just dabble with it. But God wants you to actually do something with it. He doesn't want you to leave it under the tree year after year, the gift of faith. Faith requires action. Let's go to a scripture. If you don't believe me, let me go to a scripture. James 2 verse 17. James 2 17. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Scripture teaches that faith without works is dead. Oh, man, this is just so painful. That's pretty simple. That's black and white. There's no gray area there. You can't find a way to twist that. Faith by... Except for the text you're reading, you twisted it, and it's totally out of context, and you are utterly clueless as to how to actually exegete James and what James is even talking about. By itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith and action are a good partnership. Did you know that? They go good together. The gift of faith that's under your tree right now is not just there by itself. It comes with another gift called action. They, they have to go together. They're a great duo. Like Batman and Robin. They go together, do they not? Come on, someone. Burton Ernie. Burton Ernie. Sesame Street. Mostly just the YouTube generation. What's Sesame Street? <laughs> Scooby-Doo and... Oh, thank God. It's like, Scoops, you got to do something. I don't know, Raggy. <laughs> we got Batman and Robin. We got Bert and Ernie. We got Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. And we got faith and action. They all go well together. Faith needs action. Faith without action is just merely a nice concept. It looks nice under the tree as it sits there year after year collecting dust. You see, God promises Joshua, and I haven't got time to go into the story, so maybe you can go through it tonight or this week by yourself. God promises Joshua the city of Jericho. Joshua had the faith for the promise, but more importantly, he had the action for the promise. Yeah, and I, this is utterly clueless what he's doing. The promise rarely arrives for you and I on a platter. It takes faith and it takes action. And your gift of faith is not supposed to sit under your tree year after year. It may look nice, like one of those ornamental gifts that aren't really a gift, like these ones. But it's not supposed to, that's not the function of it. That's not the function of the gift of faith. It's supposed to be picked up. It's supposed to be opened. It's supposed to be activated. God's called you and I to do something with this gift of faith, not just to leave it under the tree. Faith and action, the greatest duo of all time. And here's the thing, your life will either rise to your faith expectation or it will sink to your fear perspective. 
clearly he didn't have enough take enough action to rightly exegete a biblical text, do the study necessary to rightly handle God's word. And so we've just ripped a whole bunch of concepts out of context and, you know, sloganized them and uh, are what we're teaching on. I don't know what this is. It'll rise or it'll sink, but it's dependent on your faith. It's dependent on your faith. And when you and I lose our faith, we end up living in fear, end up living in doubt, end up living in depression. I think God wants to tell us faith in whom for what? What promises again am I supposed to be trusting in? Tell somebody tonight that your future is not doubt. Your future is not depression. Your future is not fear. Uh, uh, my future is eternal life, right? That's where you're pointing me to, right? God has a great plan for you. He has a great... De- oh, no. So it's not that I have eternal life. It's that I have a great dream destiny thingy. Right. This guy is utterly clueless about what the scriptures teach. ...deal for you. It's found here in this gift of faith. All it takes is for you to pick it up and just trust him with it. Just trust God with it. Just trust him, will you? Amen. 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 Moving right along. Running out of time. Don't limit our God. Amen. Faith is everything. I'm telling you, don't limit God. Don't limit God. Trust God. All right. We've talked- right. Apparently, we can limit God. You, you don't want to do that. That, that, that would be a bad outcome. We've talked about joy. We've talked about hope. We've talked about faith. Where's the keys at? Where's Audrey? Beautiful Audrey. You're here somewhere. Okay. Yeah, you can come up whenever you want. Let's talk about the fourth one. This is slightly, slightly less exciting. I'm just going to preempt you, but it's probably, probably equally important. This is the gift of uh, connection, the gift of friendship this Christmas. Right. God, God wants to give you the gift of connection this Christmas. Have you received your gift of connection yet? Oh, wow. This is going to change your life. God's been wanting to give you this gift. Well, maybe this is only this year's gift. We'll see. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. That's a good scripture just there by itself. Am I helping people around me succeed? Are people around me helping me succeed? If the answer to those questions is no, you might have to think about who you're around. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. That's just a side note. Verse 10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Okay, time out for a second. My city. college students other people do not take that verse out of context okay you stay vertical (laughs) so he understands that uh, taking a verse out of context could be a bad thing and yet that's what he's been doing with every verse he's touched in this sermon you're gonna be okay (laughs) the pastor said we should lay down together to stay warm I'm 15. My body's changing. Stay vertical. Just stay vertical. All the parents say, Amen. Amen. Parents are literally just cheering right now, shouting, Buy me Christmas cards. Thank you. 
Don't take that out of context. All right, verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The point is this. Isolated people are much more likely to be broken than people who are connected. And although we may seem more connected because it's 2016 and we have all these great little social media things that we have, we seem like we're really connected. We seem like we have tons of friends. We seem like there's lots of awesome stuff happening. I would say that we're, we're not. Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy Spirit, is now descending on the audience as they make decisions. I don't know what the decision is here. For you to open your presence, you know, the presence that, well, Drew Davies invented on the fly that apparently God wants to give you right now this Christmas. So get on it. Make that decision. I would say that we're less connected than we've ever been before. I would say that more and more people are trading friendship for followers. Trade, they'd rather have, people would rather have fans than they would a friend. People would rather have followers. who follow me. Fans. Like you're somewhat famous. And I'm into social media. I love social media. I use it every day. I'm not against it or anything like that. I may like your photo this week if it's not of a latte. So if I do, don't think I'm bad. I'm into social media. But I'm worried that social media, I'm worried that all these cool things we have on our phones are taking us away from real friendship with people, real relationship. You think if Jesus was walking the world right now, you think he'd just be connecting with his disciples via Instagram? You think all he would do would be group text? No. He wouldn't disciple people that way. It's just a thought. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Whoever isolates himself. Whoever isolates himself. The world doesn't isolate you and I. We isolate ourselves. It's a choice that we make. And I want to challenge some people tonight. Don't wait for friendship to come to you this Christmas season. Go out there and, uh, and, and, and take the risk. Go out there and, and make some friends you've never made before. Our church is packed full of great, awesome, good-looking, fun people. Our connect groups are full of people who would just love to have you in their home at Christmas. We do, that. We do the whole text to join a Christmas uh, party, not just because it's a Christian thing to do. You guys put the screen up on that. Um, We do it because no one should be alone on Christmas Day. No one should be alone on Christmas Day. You know, maybe you've got a great home that you want to open up on Christmas Day. Just do it. Open up your home. No one should be alone on Christmas Day. Who are your neighbors? Who are the people in your world? Who is isolated in your world? Don't think that it's a, embarrassing thing for you to text that number and say, I need somewhere to go on Christmas because I'm just, I got to admit it, I'm just isolated. People will admit all kinds of things. They'll admit they're an alcoholic. They'll admit they're addicted to this, 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 but they have a hard time admitting that they're lonely. It's pride. Stop your pride. God wants you to do life with people. For some people in here, the greatest gift you could do this Christmas, and it sounds cheesy, is just make some friends. Get into one of our great connect groups this year. Come on, don't, don't stay isolated. Isolated people always end up weird. They always do. Every time we deal with someone who's really weird and crazy, they always have the same thing in common. They're isolated. They're by themselves. 
Yeah, see that? Yeah, that's a sure sign that you're going to go weird is if you're isolated. Yeah. Maybe at one point they were so well connected, but over time they just become more and more and more isolated. And social media is not helping this because people who think they're connected are not. They're sofalizing, they're not socializing. They're on their sofa connecting with a bunch of people they don't know instead of socializing, connecting with a few people that they do know. Amen? Jesus sees Zacchaeus in the tree. He sees Zacchaeus. Now, I haven't got time to go on the story, but maybe you can go into it this week. Yeah, he's too busy to actually read out a biblical text in context during you know, a sermon. That's No, nobody's got time for that. Jesus sees Zacchaeus in the tree. And then in Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. You see, Jesus can't save lost people unless we seek lost people. Uh, <laughs> but we can't seek lost people if we don't first see lost people. Who do you want to... Listen, go and preach the gospel to everybody that you can preach it to, including Christians, because they need to hear it too. I see in this Christmas season, do we see the Zacchaeuses in the tree? Or are we so busy with our own lives, doing our own thing? You know, it's funny how many restaurants I go to and it's like it's like a couple on their first date and they're just on their phones, not even talking to each other. Are we so busy just on our phones, making the order at the restaurant, not even look at the server, invite them to something? We're so busy on our phones in the, in the waiting room at the doctor's thing that we don't even think to ask the person next to us, hey, how you doing? Why don't you come to church on Sunday? And it's not like an anti-social media campaign, right? I'm into it. But let's just make sure that we're always a church that sees. Because before Jesus could save Zacchaeus, he had to seek him. And before he could seek him, he had to see him. Can't seek those who we don't see. We can't see people if we're looking down on our phone can't see people if we're too busy looking at ourselves all the time or too busy in our own little friendship circles or too busy in our own little cliques or our own little thing. Let's always make sure that we're the church that's so inclusive. We're always looking for those people who are out isolated by themselves. Amen. The last one, last one. We're going to close this up in just a minute. The fifth present that God wants some people to pick up this Christmas is the present of salvation. Jesus. John 3:16. For God so loved All right, I'm glad the uh, the gospel's going to make an appearance but he hasn't actually explained anything regarding our condition as sinners in need of a savior. With just a few minutes left in this miserable thing called a sermon where every verse was taken out of context, sloganized and a whole bunch of theology that's not actually in the Bible was taught to these people as if this is what God's word really teaches when it doesn't. Now we get to the the obligatory nod. Oh, well, you know, we got to make this about Jesus in the gospel somehow. So let's kind of just throw it in at the end. And, and this will be the Hail Mary pass that saves the game. Of the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know, the greatest gift that you and I have ever been given, the greatest gift for free, 
that you've been given is the gift of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? That's the greatest gift anyone has ever given. This is the only gift I agree with as far as the gifts that you've listed in this thing called a sermon. And Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift, there it is right there, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. That's a good news for somebody up in here tonight. It's a free gift. You see, you and I, we can either try ourselves to pay down the debt of sin or we can accept the free gift that God has for you. You can accept. And if I were an unbeliever there, I'd say, can you explain a little bit more what you mean by sin? Don't have to earn it. Don't have to work for it. Don't have to even be a good person. That's the crazy thing about it. That's, that's why it's, it's always talked about as being as grace being such a crazy, scandalous thing because the, the gift of Jesus the gift of salvation is applicable to the, the best people in the world and the worst. The same Jesus is available to Mother Teresa that is also available to a serial killer. That's, that's, so don't tell me how bad you are. You can't be that bad. You're sitting here tonight and you're not in a prison cell. You can't be that bad. Uh, they're bad enough to go to hell, every single one of them. Doesn't matter how bad you've been, this gift of salvation is applicable to you. It's applicable to anybody sitting in here tonight who's never once accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's applicable to people who are even watching online right now. Maybe you're sitting in your living room and and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord. You've never actually you maybe or maybe you once were, maybe you were once walking with God, but for whatever reason you've you've stopped. You can change that tonight. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. When you believed, not when you worked, not when you earned, when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift, a gift. There it is again, a gift. People have a hard time with this. Religious people have a really hard time with it because they, they like it that you earn it because they've earned it. Why should someone get in free? I've earned it. But it's a gift. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. None of us can boast about earning salvation because salvation is merely a gift. A gift that you and I have the option, the choice, the choice this Christmas to receive. It's under the tree. It's always been under the tree. It'll always be under the tree. It's up to you and I whether we want to go to the tree and pick up that gift of salvation, that gift of Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to close up this service in just a few minutes. Done. Yeah, I I don't know what that was. Just a hodgepodge of of out-of-context verses, sloganized, and the obligatory nod, yay, uh, salvation is a gift. Jesus did his thing. Now bow your head, close your eyes, and pray this prayer, and, and we'll sneak you right into the kingdom of God. uh, The state of the church, the end of 2016, is abysmal.
the leaders that people have gathered to themselves do not know how to rightly handle God's word. They're not qualified to be pastors or preachers or teachers in Christ's church. They scratch itching ears and people sit there and lap it up like they're receiving gold from heaven when all along they're being deceived. And they love it this way. They love the way in which they're being deceived. And they see the exponential growth going on in their so-called churches, and they see it as a sign of God's favor, when all it is is a sign of the growing apostasy and rebellion against Christ and his word in his church. These are very deceptive times. Pray for the church. Pray for yourself and your family. Because if Christ doesn't turn this around, we're in for a very, very bumpy ride ahead in the days ahead. Very bumpy indeed. Because without repentance, faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins and bearing fruit in keeping with repentance... Pagans are going to do what pagans do. And unfortunately, the rank paganism isn't just out there in the world anymore. It's right in the middle of the church. It's right there on stage for you to feast your eyes on. And you think it's from God. And none of it is. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, by carry death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.